Hello, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. If you have thoughts on what we should cover in a future episode, please let us know on Twitter at, at Cisco Champion. Also, check out the timestamps in the description below and fast forward to your favorite parts of the episode. Alrighty, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about Cisco Plus Secure Connect and ultimately how Cisco is enabling cloud-first operations that allows IT teams to securely connect users to applications. It's going to get pretty technical, in my opinion, uh, so we have an amazing cast to help us unpack everything you might want to know. So let's get to the introductions. Alfred, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about yourself. Hello, <clears throat> my name is Alfred Thury. I'm working for Axiens in Austria as a senior network and security engineer and dealing with all kinds of infrastructure security and software defined something in my daily work. Software defined something. I like it. All right, Billy, who are you? Yeah, thanks, Amy Lee. Um, first time on the podcast, so I'm super excited to be here. Uh, Billy Zellers, I work for a Cisco partner called Dean Dorton uh, on the East Coast of the U.S. I'm actually based in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I get to split my, my time between pre-sales, post-sales, uh, route switch, SD-WAN, and automation. And I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to follow me at Billy Zellers. Okay. Mark, my friend, what do you do? My name is Mark Lüscher. I'm working for Fresenius Medicare in the Boston area. My background is email security, network security, and everything in that area. It's usually my job title is get it done, so I'm getting it done. I call that, well, maybe I won't go there. <laughs> I was going to say GSD. <laughs> All right, moving on to Dan and VB. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, can you tell us what you do here at Cisco? And Dan, I think we'll just start with you. Yeah, so my name is Dan Borbo. I'm the leader of the technical marketing engineering team focused on Secure Connect uh, for Cisco. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Um, hi, everyone. My name is VB Malik. I am the technical marketing engineer leader within the Cisco Plus Secure Connect group as well. I have been with Cisco for last one year, and ever since joining Cisco, I've been working on this product, and I'm really excited to talk to all of you about that. Uh, I've been in the networking and security space from last 10 years, primarily working for a lot of service providers and Fortune 500 customers. Um, yeah, and looking forward to talking to all of you. So thanks, VB. Thanks, Dan. So can one of you start by giving us a high-level introduction, maybe two, three minutes, what we are talking about and what we should know? Absolutely, uh, Mark. I can get started on that one. Um, so we have been seeing a lot of the things in the last two years and ever, you know, since many, many years, actually. Uh, the new era of hybrid work requires a new approach on how we tackle networking and security together. And few years back, Gartner came out with this term, SASE, Secure Access Services Edge, um, which is kind of a key enabler for a lot of organizations, you know, hybrid work strategy. Um, so what ideally SASE does is 
takes that networking and security functions and combine that for all of our customers who are either going to the cloud, coming from campuses, branches, remote workers, and want to connect all of these applications together. We are going to talk about Cisco Plus Secure Connect today in the podcast. So what is Cisco Plus Secure Connect? Cisco Plus Secure Connect is the SASE offer from Cisco, which is designed to deliver an unparalleled user experience that we are tackling. So with minimal effort, by securely connecting the users, things, and applications from anywhere, all of our customers can access their applications wherever they are. So with that, I think let's start the uh, podcast and we are open to any questions that any of you all have. Okay, so let me get started. So currently, if I look a little bit at our environment, we have uh, a VPN client to connect. Then uh, we have Umbrella for DNS and SWIC. We are currently in the need to expand to other regions around the world. How could that product offering help me? Absolutely. So, so today, what we have done is a lot of our Cisco customers, you know, have been using AnyConnect service from VPN. Uh, a lot of our customers have been using Umbrella for any of the SWIC capabilities. DLP, CASB, a lot of the services that Umbrella natively provides. And then a lot of customers, you know, depending upon where they are coming from, it could be a Meraki SD-WAN customer or a Webtala SD-WAN customers. But what we have seen, the market trends and what customers have been telling us that all these services are great, but there's something that they didn't want to consume all as a unified integrated service. So for us, it was really important from Cisco's standpoint to make sure we can address that customer's challenges of all these disparate services and combine them into a unified integrated services. And that's where I feel Cisco Plus Secure Connect is trying to help for our customers. Uh, Customers can now, with this product, can go and connect to VPN as a service through our offering within Cisco Plus Secure Connect. So they could have the similar experience with, for example, AnyConnect, and they can go and connect to all of our distributed VPN headpoints that we have built in the service cloud natively across different data centers across the world. Um, also, at the same time, if they are coming, wanting to you know protect their internet users wherever they are, either in the offices, working at home, maybe at Starbucks, they can connect to these applications from that same umbrella constructs that they want within the service itself. But one more thing I would like to add is a lot of our customers also wanted a lot of the functionalities, not only just from the branches and the remote workers from their homes itself, but also want to make sure that they can access these applications through more zero trust capabilities. And what we have also added in this particular solution is added the zero trust capabilities within the VPN and without the VPN. So we do have client-based ZTNA capabilities that we do provide based upon the identity of the users as well as at the same time, we have also given natively browser-based capabilities of ZTNA so that any customer who is coming from anywhere and wants to reach out to those private applications can go natively directly via the browser as well. Okay, so uh, we heard about a couple of well-known Cisco technologies you're integrating into a a new solution. So does that mean, uh, and from a network admin perspective, you get uh, with this uh, new product, uh, access to all those dashboards and configure it? Or is it one solution in one dashboard where you, you can manage all and all together? So do you pop out and, and, and con- uh, 
uh, change to to different umbrella and and, and like Duo or AnyConnect um, dashboards or how is how is that done? Yeah, great question. So what uh, you know what we have done is you know a lot of the functionality of Cisco plus Cisco Connect intentionally we have built it on the Meraki dashboard. There's a specific reason. You know our customers you know from various uh, user research you know they love the experience of being on a Meraki dashboard. Love the you know, the simplified and unified approach that they always get as a platform of various different networking constructs that they've been using uh, in the last few years. And we have built intentionally all of that functionality for Cisco Plus Secure Connect into the Meraki dashboard. Now, as you mentioned, that there is Umbrella dashboard as well. For many, many years, a lot of customers have been using it. So what we have done is we have taken a stance on this one that how can customers be on the umbrella dashboard, but then don't have to, you know, manage these two disparate dashboards in a much more clunky manner. So what we have done is through our own technologies, obviously we, you know, Cisco itself owns, you know, Meraki as well as umbrella. So we can do a lot of the native API constructs and we have built an API layer between two different dashboards. So when you buy the service, you are on the Meraki dashboard natively itself through the token service, we have built an API trust relationship between the dashboard. So whenever you're on the Meraki dashboard in the Secure Connect, you're configuring certain things, but then you want to do some advanced policy, for example, or TLP and CASP or anything like that. It takes you to the umbrella dashboard without you going to any other browser altogether. So within that same tab itself, you comes into the umbrella dashboard, go and configure certain services that you need to do. And once you are done in umbrella dashboard, what we have done is we have given an option to the customers to directly jump back to the home dashboard that they are in. So there are certain things today, for example, that are available in Secure Connect dashboard, which is on the Meraki platform. And then there are certain things which are more advanced security policies, which are inbuilt into the Umbrella dashboard that they can always jump to go and configure those in the Umbrella dashboard itself. Okay, great. So Vivi, you've mentioned Meraki, you've mentioned Umbrella and this the idea that we're kind of tying those together in in a single pane of glass is, I think, super compelling for a lot of customers that maybe today they're on Meraki. Maybe they're using advanced security license. Maybe they've got Umbrella DNS and they're using those products. So how does it look like for that customer, both from a, from a technical perspective and a, a marketing, or sorry, from a, a licensing perspective? to get from where they are today into Cisco Plus Secure Connect. Sure, sure. Uh, Dan, do you want to take that? Yeah, so so you know, essentially from a licensing perspective, when you when you purchase Secure Connect, you will automatically get umbrella. So it replaces the um, the umbrella license, right? And there could be some instances when you talk about, you know, Meraki MX where maybe there's some security functions you still want to do on the security side of the MX with that with that um, advanced license. But what we're doing with um, SASE, specifically with Secure Connect, is we're shifting those edge pieces of functionality, right? Edge enforcement, cloud firewall, TLS inspection. Uh, some of the things that you might do with the MX, that's being shifted up into the Secure Connect fabric, right? So traffic at that point becomes, uh, you know, forwarded to that point. So Meraki is a, is a traffic forwarding mechanism. And same thing, in, you know, future state with, with looking at integrating things like Guptela, those will become traffic forwarding mechanisms to get it into the SASE fabric, right? Into Secure Connect. And once it gets there, that's where those security functions are going to um, be applied, right? Policy will be applied there. Um, and, you know, we're using 
you know, a very mature platform in Umbrella, but there has been a ton of innovation that's been done around the Umbrella platform uh, with Secure Connect, right? We've, we've built in some intelligent routing, uh, cloud-delivered firewall, also referred to in the industry as firewall as a service, right? And those are things that a lot of customers weren't aware of that, that exist today in the Umbrella platform. So once the traffic is forwarded to Secure Connect, it is then intelligently routed to the cloud firewall, to the SWIG, CASB, DLP, all of those SSE type functions uh, are happening in the Secure Connect fabric, as well as things like branch to branch connectivity, remote access, or also known in the industry as VPN as a service, right? So it is a truly SaaS provided VPN service, but we've layered zero trust on top of that as well, right? So user-based, identity-based access to private applications, uh, as well as again, branch to branch connectivity. Just to add uh, what Dan mentioned, um, all of these services, you know, our intent itself is that, you know, customers do get. Now your question also was related to some of that licensing part, uh, which I want to address that. Um, today, customers don't need to have an advanced security license for, for using the service. They can very well have a basic whatever enterprise license that they have and they can consume this. Now, a lot of our customers, they want to use the SD-WAN functionalities and they don't want to give up on that. Yes, if they want to use that, advanced security license comes you know, with all those SD-WAN features, which uh, they absolutely love and they can use it. Uh, having said that, even from the umbrella side as well, there are existing umbrella customers, for example, who have been using either umbrella essentials license or umbrella advantage license. And for us, that's really important. And how we have built, you know, kind of licensing within Secure Connect is, is kind of one of one overall with regards to Umbrella. So for example, if you are an Umbrella Essentials customer, you can upgrade yourself to a Secure Connect Essentials, which gives you all the capabilities that you have today in Umbrella Essentials. Similarly, if you are an Umbrella Advantage customer, you can get into an Umbr Secure Connect Advantage license that would automatically give you all the functionalities that you do have with regards to the SIG Advantage license that you had. Now, what the, the biggest question then becomes is like what things that you get when you buy Secure Connect Advantage or Secure Connect Essentials. And I always consider these to be like a superset of all these licenses, right? You only get maybe SIG, SWIG, and all the DLP and CASB capabilities, but then the customers who want, you know, want to invest into ZTNA, they want to, you know, have a more functionalities with remote access as a service, and wants to also add a lot of these SD-WAN native components within the fabric for east-west branch communication. All those functionalities come within these larger Secure Connect Essentials and Advantage customers. So for customers, it's a kind of a straightforward path. If they have been using these existing licenses, they can upgrade themselves to Secure Connect Essentials or Secure Connect Advantage wherever you know they find the most value overall. So then, Vivi, my question is, where is that service available today? The service today is available in North America and EMEA. So we have essentially east and west redundant data centers, and then we have some locations in EMEA, also redundant, um, London and Frankfurt. We are looking at geo expansion over the course of the next fiscal year, um, and it remains to be seen how quickly we get those those geos rolled out. But we have you know expectation in the next fiscal year to be rolled out to all geographies where Umbrella is, is present today. Okay, um, we we talked about uh, connecting all my sites and uh, remote workforce um, to Secure Connect. But uh, what about the other end? How how are my cloud resources, my private clouds, public clouds, SaaS applications? How are those connected to the service? 
Absolutely. So how I need to, you know, answer that is, you know, think about this, right? There is always a source traffic where you are coming from and something that from the destination standpoint where you are going to. For us right now in this particular service and product, what we are targeting specifically is Meraki customers. So your source traffic, as long as it's coming from a Meraki site, you can very well go to any of the destinations. So for example, if you're going to AWS, you're going to Microsoft Azure, or you're going to a private data center somewhere where you happen to have any third party data center router, you can go and terminate your traffic and easily reach out to those applications. And we can do all the native security constructs within the fabric itself of cloud-delivered firewall, all those capabilities to secure the traffic. Now, even for the remote access users as well, what they want to do is we basically have IPsec tunnels, which we you know natively integrate with majority of the other third-party cloud vendors or any of the third-party you know firewall distributors or anybody. So for us, it's majorly right now that we are taking a lot of source traffic driven majorly from the Meraki portfolio itself, but from third-party destination standpoint, any of your traffic can go anywhere and we can do and talk to anybody in, in the market space. And that's where the intelligent routing comes in with the Secure Connect fabric, right? So if I have a remote user that's coming in to Secure Connect, um, so they have an AnyConnect client that creates some sort of a tunnel, right? A tunnel is a tunnel, whether it's IPsec or DTLS. We take them and we tunnel them into the Secure Connect fabric. And from there, we intelligently route them to different services. Right. If they're going to an RFC 1918 private private application, it gets routed one way and it will traverse those IPsec tunnels either to your public cloud or to your, your data center or colo locations. Right. Uh, and if it's going to a public location, it's going to route through Umbrella and through the CASB where CASB policies are applied. DLP is there for inspection for data loss and things like that. Right. So we're bifurcating that traffic when it hits that secure connect fabric uh, for those two destinations, either public or private. So Dan, as, as I think about how that we're bringing all the traffic onto the fabric and, and you've mentioned that we're able to do things like cloud delivered firewall, um, web filter and that kind of thing in the umbrella cloud, what are we doing to identify users as they're connecting? I know we've heard any connect browser based and, and Meraki, um, how do those users get identified as they connect through those various methods? Sure. I can take that one. So. So we, we, we can natively integrate with any of the SAML and entity providers. So customers can either use Duo, for example, or they can bring in their own, you know, Okta or Microsoft Azure AD or any other authentication mechanisms. Uh, for us, for example, if you're coming from a remote access user, like what Dan was saying, the ZTNA is a big, big construct for, for our customers. We take that really seriously. So for example, whenever customers even are, are they coming from a VPN as well, uh, we tie their identity based upon where, where they are. So for example, if they want to go to a certain application, you can control them. You can deny every single application within the fabric itself and only allow a certain set of users or a group of users. So for example, I want my marketing users to only access to marketing apps itself. And then you can do that within the, within the fabric. Now, if you're coming from, let's just say a browser-based access, what we are doing is we are making sure that your posture is based upon your browser your you know operating system that you're coming from and also your geolocation so that ztna gives you that capability and you can define a certain set of like i said users or a group of users to go into the certain application itself and that is is the ideal construct that we are doing natively within the remote access user whether you're using on the client or you're coming clientless as well and then when we talk on-prem today it's more of a network we're connecting networks today we are looking in the future at at potentially doing some sort of identity-based access for even on-prem resources. Um, you know, from a market perspective, 
you know, I'm not seeing and haven't seen over the last few years in the SASE space a huge demand for customers to control that from an on-premise uh, perspective. I think that is something that we'll see from a market standpoint as an evolution, right? Where, where okay, we've got remote access where that's kind of my biggest attack surface. Users who are sitting off-prem, who don't have any protection when they're off VPN, potentially any threat that propagates onto that, that machine can propagate inside. And so I really want to protect them and only give them least privileged access to applications based on their identity with very strong posture checking. Um, and I, again, I'm going to... I think we're going to see that evolution on premise as well, where now I want to trust no one, even if they're sitting in a physical branch and I want to do things like NAC and understand, you know, if that device is even allowed to access the network and I want to, you know, get an identity for that machine and that user and apply identity based policy. And I think that's where the evolution is going. And it's definitely something that we're looking at today, but from a, let's say a branch to DC or branch to branch, that is going to be kind of a network based access connection today. And where ZTNA really comes in is for that remote access use case. Okay, so a question now for you, Dan VB, is um, in the security space, a lot is about monitoring, locking, what kind of information can I get to my SOC? So what does the product provide today in that regards? Absolutely. So observability is huge for us, you know, within Secure Connect itself. So natively today, uh, if you have any any time, you know, uh, you know, checked out Umbrella in terms of that, there's a lot of monitoring and logging capabilities that natively we use within Umbrella. So if you're coming from, you know, any place within the fabric itself or outside the fabric, we, we monitor each and every single transaction, either from the security policy construct, construct uh, standpoint or from the logging itself. We are taking a lot of those APIs and making sure that customers get an understanding not only in terms of how the traffic is traversing within the fabric, but also where it's going from the source, where, where you're coming from and where it's going to the application itself. So customers will be able to see, you know, hey, how's my packet loss happening? You know, what's the latency today? What's the jitter today? A lot of those constructs that we do have, we want to make sure that customers can easily identify how is their traffic traversing within the fabric, outside the fabric, and ultimately reaching out to those applications itself. And then also at the same time to make sure that you know every single transaction that you're doing within the Secure Connect portfolio of the services that we are providing, we, we log a lot of those things, you know, based upon again the identity of the user, the group of the policies itself, and then give you. And now at the same time, there are a lot of customers who would want to, you know, take a lot of that logging and maybe want to, let's just say, put it into S3. So we do provide native constructs itself where you can take a lot of that log traffic and put it into your own vendor, you know, wherever you are taking a lot of that traffic and then do uh, a- a- analysis based upon that. So we do have that capability as well. So I want to uh, then add uh, as an add-on question. You mentioned a little bit experience before. For me, one of the big challenges with such a platform is I need to be able to react if the user experience becomes a little bit critical or no longer acceptable. That's usually what we call user experience measurements. What is provided in that regards to make sure my users still have the best possible experience to connect to the service? Absolutely. So from the user experience, you know that the, you know we, we when we look at the experience, we look at two different experiences. One is the admin experience, which we actually talked about a lot. Uh, the second is the user experience, right? Uh, a lot of times, what we have seen is that a lot of users generally, you know, whenever they are using the service, 
the, the, the biggest is like, hey, I'm not able to access this service or maybe my application performance is slow and so and so forth. So what we are doing is actively tracking the traffic itself within the dashboard. And then second of all, there are many, many constructs that we do have where we can allow certain users and give them the things that why are not they able to access certain applications. So for example, I'll give you an example over here. For example, DLP policy. A lot of customers, you know, the end users who want to, let's just say, do credit card transactions or certain things like that. Um, a lot of times those services that they are trying to consume, you, you get blocked. Right? But it's also important for those end users itself to understand why they are getting blocked and what are the things that they can do to either contact the administrator itself for better, you know, you know, either exceptions or things like that. And at the same time, if they are getting blocked, can we give them the warning? You know, so those are the small little things which ultimately improves the user experience. And those are the kind of things we are making sure that as an administrator, you can give your users the kind of experience that you want to give them as a, as a company. A lot of places where compliance is a big thing, you might want to just drop their traffic as it is. You know, you don't want them to go anywhere from there. But sometimes a lot of workplaces, they want might want to give them the warning. They might want to give them, you know, certain constructs. And that, those are the kind of things we let the administrators who are using the product, let them decide how they want to navigate those scenarios. And obviously we have written certain best practices as well depending upon your security administrator, depending upon your, you know, uh, the company's security compliance itself, you can certainly, you know, navigate those scenarios and giving them the flexibility. So for us, the most important thing that becomes is like, let's give the customers the flexibility to choose and decide what's best in their environment overall. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Austria, so it's a pretty small country. Uh, that means uh, the big customers in Austria the small for the US guys. Um, so whenever it comes to, to a cloud service, the, the big advantage uh, is that scaling is nearly endless. So my question is, um, is there any uh, minimum size for a customer to, to get uh, on the service or and how is the scaling when, it, when you say, uh, we think about uh, a merger of companies. So is there anything we need to take care of when it gets bigger? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Alfred. Uh, so Secure Connect itself, you know, as a platform is is in what we call incubation, right? So it's early stages. It was released in June and we're taking a bit of a different approach uh, with how we we scale this platform, right? So where we're really focusing right now is is on lean IT, um, small organizations, five to 10,000 users um, who are Moroccan <laughs> customers, um, you know, who are, who are looking for, you know, SSC functionality, zero trust, and over the next six to 12 months, you'll see us move upstream and start moving into enterprise, large enterprise and majors accounts um, as the platform scales and grows. So that's that's currently our go-to-market strategy. Um, so, so those customers that you mentioned are really perfect and in our wheelhouse uh, right now today with what's on the truck. Dan, you mentioned small organizations of, of five to 10,000. I was sitting here thinking of the, you know, the small organizations of, of 100 to 500. What does this look like for them? Or, you know, is that, is it a lot of overhead for, for that size of organization? You know, Billy, I think, I think it's the exact opposite, right? So what we're going for is a more simple experience, right? Truly integrated SD-WAN and secure service edge, right? What, what you saw with SASE and why Gar I believe Gartner pulled it um, for, for the last year or so is that there were really no vendors that were truly SASE. So if you look at SASE as a definition, it is the combination of SD-WAN, 
uh, SWIG, Cloud Delivered Firewall, and Remote Access, right, with ZTNA. Uh, and if you look at all the vendors who are kind of in those quadrants, none of them offered both of those things, right? We're starting to see some other SSE vendors purchase SD-WAN providers um, and try to provide some SD-WAN functionality, but I believe Secure Connect will be the first true SASE player in the, in the industry with the combination of SD-WAN and SSE. And what that means is now from a single pane of glass, I can manage my SD-WAN fabric as well as uh, you know my SWIG and cloud firewall policies. And on top of that, zero trust and remote access, right? So to have all that functionality in a single pane of glass is better for smaller organizations who run in what we call lean IT. They're doing more with less, they have less people to manage it, um, and they need a lot of these things as a service which, with more simple workflows for creating these things like adding a new user, uh, bringing on a new site and things like that and instantiating policy there. So I think it's custom fit for these small organizations and I think it'll definitely excel as we move up market because a lot of even larger organizations are doing more with less and are looking at combining right solutions into one platform. You know, IT, I believe, is cyclical and we see this, you know, hey, I want multiple vendors in every space to keep them honest kind of thing, you know, and I want everything you know, separate. And I think we're seeing things come full turn where people want more turnkey solution, especially when we talk about what we consider network as a service, uh, which is really the combination of network and security. Oh, nice, nice uh, point here then. So network as a service. So one of my scenarios is uh, I can see a lot of use cases where I have my VPN user going into that service, connecting to the cloud backends. But what would I do in case I still have some small data centers and I still have some on-prem applications and I need to get to them? How would that architecture look like? Sure, I can take that one. So what we have ideally designed is given that flexibility to the customers, you know, a lot of customers, you know, want to do, you know, they have been doing hybrid for the longest time. And now we are, especially with the, the cloud adoptions, we are seeing that hybrid approach. And I don't think data centers for a lot of customers might not be going away. They might still be hosting those applications. And for us, that's really important, you know, making sure that how customers can easily navigate these two complex environments that they are handling. So for us, you know, if you're going to any of the public applications out there, yes, you can very well, you know, offload a lot of your traffic to the fabric, go and terminate those things to the public or private environments. Similarly, at the same time, for example, if you think about it from the Meraki standpoint, a lot of customers have been using the physical hubs that they have uh, and terminating a lot of that traffic within those data centers. In this case, they are freely available to use those cloud hubs as the hubs that the point of presence that they have. Uh, and at the same time, the physical hubs that they have, they can use some of that traffic to decide what's best for them. So, hey, I want certain traffic to go to the fabric. That's the best optimized way to go and terminate that traffic over there. Then I have these private applications, which I do not want to send. And then you can have certain routing to be done and send them to the physical hubs itself. So we are giving that customers the flexibility depending upon what's best for their traffic. Right. And at the same time, if there are times when you see, hey, I can get much more better performance using the Cisco's backbone to write this traffic on, you're certainly welcome to use that, you know, deciding factor, let's just say within three months, six months, depending upon where is your traffic optimized the best for. So for certain scenarios in certain countries, you might want to offload that traffic directly from the branch to the data center over the DIA circuit that you have. For certain, you know, really, really critical traffic, which is much more, you know, require security parameters. You want to make sure that, hey, I want to make sure that, I, hey, this goes through all these microservices and I want to protect these 
through different buckets of security that we have available. Let's send this traffic to the fabric and let it terminate over there. And then once the whole traffic is being massaged, then let it ride. And from, from there itself, you do have the capabilities. You can either ride from the fabric to all the, you know, the offloads that we do have within all these cloud service providers. And at the same time, you can just build up an IPsec tunnel from the fabric itself and then just terminate that traffic with to the private data center. But one thing I'll also mention over here that we haven't discussed till now is when, when we talk about a lot of these constructs, a lot of customers, you know, feel that, ooh, we have a lot of these IPsec tunnels that we have been building over the years. Yeah, I, I, it's, you know, IPsec and SSL VPN tunnels, they have been in existence for the longest time. But underneath, what they are getting is the is the actual value that a lot of those things are being offloaded from customer standpoint today. Initially, if you look at it, you know, customers had to buy these, you know, devices, hardware devices, racking and stacking of all those things, you know, buying the load balancers to make sure your application traffic, you know, goes from one place to another place and easily load balances. All that functionality cloud natively, Cisco has built within the fabric itself. So from customer standpoint, all they are doing is just buying the service for a certain user and everything else is being taken care by us, by, by Cisco itself making sure your traffic gets to go at the most optimized you know point from the source to the destination itself and that's a huge value add because for all our customers you know they are working on the you know they are marketing customer they are a, you know sales customer they are they are they're working on their own product itself for them you know we want to become that technology enabler for our customers so that we can take care of a lot of that heavy lifting within Cisco and let the customers get that as a service experience as a sassy, you know, true platform as a service experience so that they can actually work on the most value added task within their company and less on the, the day to day, you know, tech, you know, uh, task that they are, you know, supposed to do. So VB thinking about the, you know, kind of what you just discussed as far as, as getting the branch traffic onto the fabric and then you know, letting it egress, which wherever it needs to go, whether that's public cloud, um, data center, anything like that. What does this look like for maybe branch to branch traffic that we would have usually wanted to to optimize? I'm thinking like voice and video where maybe we don't want it going through the uh, the cloud or anything like that. We want it to go directly branch to branch. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, uh, you know, for us, you know, in the best practices, we, what we want to make sure that customers, you know, depending upon what kind of traffic it is, we absolutely don't recommend, you know, send your voice or video traffic over the fabric, right? Just use DIA circuit to wherever the, the your application is. And for us, you know, yeah, give those same ST internet capabilities. Now, yes, you probably would need ST WAN capabilities license within your platform that you are supposedly using. Uh, but yeah, customers would be able to use absolutely all the capabilities that they have been using today with the Meraki SD-WAN. And Meraki SD-WAN, you know, the thing about this particular product I, I would love to mention over here is that customers are not giving up on any of the capabilities. They are absolutely able to use the existing capabilities of the Meraki that they absolutely love today with regards to the SD-WAN. All the SD-Internet capabilities, all the SD-WAN capabilities, everything that Meraki provides, even like the, from the automation standpoint as well, customers love using auto VPN capabilities. And we have made sure that as we integrate this service, we integrate all the auto VPN capabilities of Meraki to the fabric. So they don't need to, you know, terminate, you know, IPsec tunnels within Meraki. They build 
absolutely the same auto VPN tunnels that they have been building over the years and let the traffic use that SD-WAN capabilities through auto VPN to red traffic go wherever it, it's, it's supposed to go. Okay, we talked about uh, uh, the easy way of traffic uh, flowing back and forth my network, but uh, maybe we need to come back to the annoying security guy um, because uh, uh, reading to the, through the news, you often hear uh, companies fighting with ransomware and stuff. So how does the solution protect me and especially my clients uh, or the endpoints from bringing, you know, dirty stuff to my network? Yeah. I think I'll take that one, Phoebe. You know, so I think if you point to, you know, where ransomware starts, I think the earliest place you can probably kill it, you know, in the kill chain is, is DNS, right? And Secure Connect leverages, you know, best of breed and umbrella from a SWIG uh, and DNS security perspective, right? So that that's a very mature product that's been out there for a long time. That is a key piece of the Secure Connect portfolio. Um, and so the platform itself in, gets those features from umbrella and so from a ransomware perspective, we got the DNS analysis, but also we have, you know, best of breed efficacy in finding threats with Talos integration, right? So, so not a lot of other vendors have something like Talos, right? So that's why, you know, Cisco's rated highest, you know, over 99% efficacy in finding threats that traverse, uh, you know, umbrella. So we're able to lean on that and the maturity of that, that platform. Yeah, and one more thing I'll add over here is, uh, Alfred, is that when we look at security, a lot of customers do understand, yes, they need a unified security approach where they can tackle a lot of that layer seven and layer four and layer three security in a much more better way, you know, which they have been over the years still, you know, largest of the enterprises that you can go up, they have probably close to their 30 to 40 different security vendors, you know, from endpoint to application and whatnot. And we are not tackling every single security efficacy over here in the Secure Connect. Yes, we do have a lot of security capabilities that we get natively from the SWIG, from the DNS security, from the CASPs of the world and the DLPs, right? And we do tackle a lot of those things over here. But yes, I mean, for, for the longest of the use cases, if you have, for example, the endpoint security, for your application security, for your container security, there are many, many security solutions that, you know, Cisco in general provides. And you can, you know, absolutely integrate those, you know, with this particular solution as well. Uh, natively, the kind of capabilities that we do have is the, the kind of security solutions that customers, when they look at from the network perspective, you know, and they have been using this over the years, still very disaggregated. We want to make sure that we can bring that in that unified approach. And for the smallest of the enterprises, that makes perfect sense. You know, they, they, you know, they, they want to make sure that instead of, you know, them going to three or four or five different dashboards to configure the identity on the user, on the application and the security, those are still different. And we want to bring that in that one single unified experience so that they don't have to go to different dashboards to log for logging and monitoring. They don't have to go to different dashboard for security. They can use and assimilate a lot of that information from the day zero, day one, and day two perspective into that one simple service overall. All right. Uh, question, last question for Dan and VB. Any closing thoughts? Anything that we didn't address that you would like to discuss before we close out? Yeah, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is, you know, Cisco plus Secure Connect, when we, when we talk about it, we say a lot, a lot of times in terms of, like we said, you know, it, it's a product that Cisco has built and the kind of things that we do have in the future from the roadmap perspective itself is, is to do a lot with the kind of things that our customers are expecting from Cisco in terms of, you know, think about, you know, like this, you know, ZTNA solution or think about, you know, in terms of, you know, maturing the solution itself. There's a lot of things that we do have. Uh, 
uh, in the future. And as the solution matures itself, there is a lot of things that we do have in, 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 in the product itself. So yeah, any other things, Dan? You know, I, I'd like to just, you know, I'd like the listeners to understand that Secure Connect as a platform is available today and it leverages a lot of mature features that existed in Umbrella and have ex existed for a long time, but delivered in a more simplistic user interface. Um, and some of those components that we have, SWIG, you know, cloud-delivered firewall, CASB, DLP, for both remote access users as well as branch users, uh, the ability to provide branch-to-branch -branch communication and security, um, easy SD-WAN with Meraki, um, all of those things exist today, and um, we believe, you know, in the coming months, it will it will come to be a leader in the in the SASE market. Awesome. Well, to our listeners, if you want to continue your journey and learn more about what we discussed today, check out the links provided in the show notes below, and of course, please subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform so you can receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.